welcome welcome to a very special wrestle down yeah uh i uh, we're doing this in uh in, in tribute to Orange Cassidy, the breakout star of AEW Revolution, which will be our segment mania for the night. That's right. We, we, we promise to try. <laughs> we promise as, to try. As we let air out of balloons. <laughs> we just watched a match <laughs> with a clown, and uh, he left some balloons in my room. We watched it on TV, but um, I left the balloons here. That's right. Yeah. 4D VR professional wrestling leaves the props behind in the area that you watch the match. I have so many clangy pipes. Clang, oh. clang. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because when you watch it on Raw on TV, they like make actual clang sounds. But in real life, they just say clang, clang, clang a lot. <laughs> it's uh, very weird. <laughs> we are off to a thunderous start this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, I'm Jerry Palapal. That makes me Dennis Bruno. And our mascot, Keaton the Kidman, is around somewhere. I don't know. Um, we are recording live from the studio apartment in Somerville. Yeah. It's actually not a studio apartment. It's a house. I moved. And now we have a new place to do things. I am half set up here. Uh, if if you're being generous, which I am. And <laughs> it's been a busy weekend, man. It has yeah. been. Um, yeah, I, I, I fucking moved. And also, we both went to PAX East video game convention there was some wrestling there there was some wrestling there there were some wrestlers there there was a lot of really fun times had to be had yeah we saw Co- we saw uh, uh xavier woods mm-hmm. and then uh he seemed to be in a rush to get somewhere so we didn't get a picture or anything nope we were just like hey we like you and he was like thank you and that's you know that's the that's sometimes that's the best case scenario to liking somebody that's right now we're not over exaggerating it was that level of energy for the me <laughs> if, um, he, if he was like yeah if if he was like, oh, I like you too, and then we started making out, well then, that's a better case scenario, but I know at least two people who would be very mad if that happened. That's fair. <laughs> One of them's Keaton. <laughs> like, oh, you're making out instead of giving me food. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of what he talks about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Uh, Streets of Rage 4, which is like uh, the fourth edition of a game that I used to play a lot as a kid. Pro wrestling was a big important part of me growing up, mm-hmm. and Xavier Woods got to watch him play the game yeah. after I had got the chance to play it as well. So, yeah, we played a couple days before him. Yep, we're special. Yep, I mean, and the thing is, I felt special in seeing Xavier Woods there because without knowing and doing no research, because I feel like I'd be kind of creepy. It was like, oh, is Xavier gonna be there today or any of the days in packs? Yeah, I just happened to wear my T-shirt that had the Golden Girls on it, and Xavier Woods is a huge Golden Girls fan. Never running joke about it. Plus, it's a cool T-shirt. So I was like, oh my god, it's fate that I'm wearing this shirt, he's here, let's get, let's say hello, and yeah, it was all of like seven seconds. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think he also may have been freaked out, because I was like, I I saw him, and then I was like, I think that's Xavier Woods, and then I like, circled the block, or the uh, floor a couple times, and then I was like, that's pretty sure that's Xavier Woods. Then I was like, I'm going to try and meet him, and then I messaged Dennis, and like, he met up with me, and then we all kind of just watched him play Streets of Rage. You may have noticed. <laughs> I mean, from what I would call a conspicuous distance. Like, I don't feel yeah. like we were within, I don't know, breathing distance of the guy. Would Like, you know, breathing yeah. heavily as he played. Right, which and would we... be creepy because of the coronavirus thing going on right now. Right, right, right. Because, <laughs> of course, we both have it. <laughs> um, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I do know. So I went to Best Buy last night to pick up Ring Fit Adventure. Yeah. Because um, you had played it and just came out of PAX. Yeah. They have recalled it in a bunch of stores because of the coronavirus, because it's manufactured in China. Oh, so nice. those are selling for a premium. Anyone who has them don't That's, want them. Yeah, well, I I gotta keep mine. I just gotta set up my apartment first. There you go. Then I'll have I'll have more room for it than I did the old place, which is yeah. delightful. But yeah, I uh, I enjoyed packs a whole lot. It was yeah. uh, your first packs as well, right? Yes. Yeah. And we played. Uh, we did do some wrestling related things. Uh, we played uh, Retromania. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a beta build of it or something like that, or an early build. Yeah, it played a lot like the arcade machine uh, Royal Rumble game from like the early nineties. Yes, yeah, that uh, which is good. It, it definitely is patterned after that generation of games, which is interesting because it's not like the best um, <laughs> series of games to copy. <laughs> but but they they made some improvements. It's a lot of fun. It's like it's very snappy, which is not something you would say. About, like, um, maybe for the Royal Rumble. I remember that game being pretty good. Yeah. But, like, a lot of that ge- general generation 
Um, I remember when I was a kid, I got, uh, I think it was Super WrestleMania on the Super Nintendo for one Christmas, and I spent forever uh, trying to get good at it. Yep. But the only moves that anybody had were punch, kick, and body slam. Yep. <laughs> and clothesline. Yep. And may and then pin. That was like it. They didn't have special moves. Uh, everyone was the same height. Even like a game later, I think they did like WWF Raw, where you could have chairs and finishers, like actual finishers. Yep. That was about it, though. You basically had like a young boy move set. Yeah. Minus the boss and grab. <laughs> the young boys have more moves yep. than the game that they made uh, for the WWF. That's not very Super Nintendo. No. Ha! Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got to play Retromania, which was fun. Mm-hmm. I bought SRG Super Show, mm-hmm. which is a card and dice-based uh, professional wrestling game, which is pretty fun. How many players is it? Uh, two people. Oh, right, maybe we should bring it to uh, Sarah's party on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, we can figure. Oh, it's just two people? Uh, I think it's just two people. Okay. I gotta look at it again. When I played the demo with uh, the person selling it, it was just the two of us. Nice. Um, but yeah, and there's different stipulations. I, I had a one-on-one match with somebody, and each of the six sides of the dice have different categories, like yeah. power, submission, yeah. technical. If it's not more than two players, let's save it for another time. We could, like, live stream or something like that. Yeah. Do something like that. Uh, I went to a panel about wrestling theme songs. That was kind of cool. Nice. Uh, I feel like any panel at PAX that I've been to has skirted the line between, like, uh, wait for these people to get in for free and self-promotion. Yep. And that definitely... <laughs> Felt the, the they had a representative from Harmonix there, and they were their big thing was this uh, game Fuser, that was pretty impressive. Uh, the guy did not seem to want to be there, <laughs> but to be fair, it was like the first thing in the morning on Sunday. Yeah. So four days later into the thing, but yeah, Ugh. yeah, brutal. Um, but it was interesting. Yeah, I got to see. I got that's um, the guy heading it was the guy who composed the music for Retromania, which on the floor we couldn't really hear very yep. well, but. Uh, yeah, he seemed very enthusiastic about it, and it did uh, kind of get me interested in that game. Nice. Yeah. And they also, in the pamphlet for PAX, listed a game called WrestleQuest, uh, which we went looking for, and the company that was developing it uh, didn't bring it, apparently. They just... <laughs> <laughs> they just plum forgot. No, they they, uh, they didn't they feel that it was in a place where they could show it off on the uh, at the convention just yet but we did play some of their games and they were good so I'm looking forward to when that pops up like in a you know, finished version sometime yeah um, I want to say it was Megacat I, I think it's Megacat Studios yes they, yeah. they manufacture uh, new games for old systems so I got to sit on this couch that you would like imagine every living room or parlor from like the late 80s early 90s they had one of those couches set up mm-hmm. with like old TVs NESs and Sega Genesis, yep. and I got to play basically uh, like a game where Earth gets invaded by aliens, and you're a pissed off barista, and you got to fight them off. <laughs> uh, the game is so creative, I love it. Yeah, yeah. We also played a game called uh, Bite the Bull, which is like kind of a contra thing, but with eating. Yeah, bite the bullet. Yeah, we both got fat. Yes, you eat enough, you get fat. It sucks. <laughs> and the game is good, but. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way being fat plays out in that game, not great. Nope. You, you gotta survive and you can't jump. It's not good. Makes you real slow. Yeah. Which, like, the items, only because we had played it for the first time, are pretty clear about what you can eat, what you can't. There's, like, anthropomorphic uh, vegetables and, um, like, meat sandwiches and things. And then there's just a bucket of fat. Yeah. And then realized that that's what I drank and that's what made my guy so flabby. Oh, see, I just kept, the button kept saying eat, so I just ate everything from robots to animals. Jerplockle. Yeah. Willpower master. I learned from the Keaton. Good job, buddy. Yeah, he taught me how to eat. Uh, before, <laughs> the, before then, there's a hit or miss. Oh my god. We lived together for five years. I'm just learning that about you. <laughs> you never saw me eat. Nope. <laughs> just assumed you just sucked up nutrients from the ground. Yeah. Well, it sucked for me. We were on the second floor. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, God. And uh, also, uh, so, yeah, that's what we've been up to for this, like, where we all, we meant to cover NWA and MLW, but we, like, the week was just too heavy and got away from us. We'll cover them later, mm. I think. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, NWA, though. That's what, it's exactly what I was going to say. NWA Power, this is, like, the third or fourth episode I've gotten the chance to see. It was their 18th episode, if anyone is curious which one we were covering. Um, I do like that they have a little bit of a crossover happening with Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Um, not just Marty Scurll, but, like, the Beer City Bruiser and, um, I forget the name of the other guy, but 
it helps when smaller companies kind of cross promote. Yeah. Because it makes them feel bigger, and also that the matches have kind of bigger stakes and feel like bigger deals. Um, I liked Molina's match. Yeah. Um, I liked pretty much everything that was going on there, and I really like their take on interstitial stuff. Yeah, me too. That was the thing that stood out for me. Yeah, I don't know if it was this episode or maybe one I'm remembering differently, but Nikita Koloff is just pimping his, like, Jesus camp. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was real or, like, a, like a thing. Yeah. Like, just a bit. So, that I love that they blur the line like that, because yeah. it makes me want to see more. 90% of it doesn't really blur the line like that. 90% of it is very retro, like, it's retro in its presentation, but not in its attitude, really. Like, it's a very, they're modern wrestlers, but it, it, the production value, the sets, um, some of the ways that they use the talent is very um, uh, retro. One of the things that really stuck out to me was the way they had someone interviewing the um, you okay? Yep. Yeah, I'm uh, unintentionally doing a John Moxley impression. My left eye just started hurting. Oh, hurting? Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, okay. Okay. I don't uh, have to see the talk. <laughs> yeah, well, don't die. Okay. I don't want this to become a murder house. I guess it wouldn't be a murder house. Cause I wouldn't... <laughs> <laughs> don't die on your own. It'll be a murder house. <laughs> Everyone will assume. <laughs> they, they have the tapes. <laughs> They've heard of the previous episodes of the Wrestle Down. <laughs> it was all leading to this spontaneous eye murder. <laughs> this is what happened when I, if you take the first letter of all my sentences, it's just kill Dennis over and over again. Oh. <laughs> it's been very hard keeping up that pattern. For long-time listeners, thank you for putting all that together. We put the work in. We didn't think anyone would notice our art. Yeah. <laughs> for NWA, the thing that, like, stuck out to me, I like how they had the, um... Someone interviewing each like person doing a promo. Yep. And not only that, because WWE does that, but the way that the interviewers seem to be just like helpless yep. in the face of these eccentric characters. Because like everyone who does a WWE interview is just like you just lost a match to the iconics. How do you feel about that? Well, Charlie Caruso, I feel really bad. And then like zone stares off into nothingness. Or walks away. Yep. And that's about it. But this one, like, they had some banter. It was fun watching him. It's like, you know, you you, you lose that um, ever since, like, they people stopped uh, using Mean Gene for things. Pretty much. Yeah. And they also use silence really well. Camille mm. is one of their big uh, women's wrestlers. And her whole gimmick is that she's big, she's imposing, she's strong, and she doesn't talk at all. Yeah. So I forget who she was paired with. I think it was... It wasn't Ricky Starks, but it was one of the guys that... No. Um, no. It used to be Bram in TNA. Yeah. Um, I didn't catch his new name. But, yeah, he just did all of the talking. was super obnoxious, and it just built to a point where everyone listening could have used a break from him just spouting whatever he was saying. <laughs> yeah. And they threw to Camille, and she just kind of stared at the announcer. Yep. Yeah, the uh... interviewer. Yeah. Yeah, great. It was a really good show. We're going to eventually cover it. And also, I signed up for DDT Pro finally after probably half a year of threatening to do so. <laughs> <laughs> what a threat. Yeah. I'm going to have fun. I'll give you money. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then, and that gives an access to DDT, uh, Noah, their street fight promotion, um, where they had an outdoor wrestling thing, and uh, what is it, DDT, Noah, TJPW. And yeah, just some other stuff that we'll uh, be able to look at uh, later. I don't know when, because next week is Elimination Chamber and the Stardom No uh, no Fans in Attendance show. Yeah. And we'll, we'll cover both. We'll probably have more to say about the Stardom one, I think, because that's going to be more interesting. It's a jam-packed weekend. Yeah. And I mean, we got, and Dennis' girlfriend's birthday. Yeah. The parties happen that weekend. Uh, my niece's 21st is happening that same day. Uh, yeah. It's going to be pretty crazy. Yep. And I got to put furniture together and also uh, put together Keaton's new scratch post. The other one. <laughs> yeah, so many scratch posts. Lucky kitty. He has two. All right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Lots of things coming up in the world of professional wrestling. Lots of new things. Uh, I feel like the biggest news lately beyond um, what we're going to be talking about directly from Revolution, Matt Hardy's contract is officially up. He's yep. no longer with the E. He is more than likely going to pop up in AEW as the exalted one. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I, I hope that he does. He's definitely the best case scenario mm. for that. But, in my 
completely unbiased opinion. Mm -hmm. Second best scenario is Lance Archer. I agree, though. That's not like that's not too bad. He's got a good intensity, and I mean they're doing fine with the uh, non-ring stuff without Matt Hardy. But it would just be nice to have just to see Matt Hardy have like a playground where he can like do whatever because they don't seem to really care. I think they care, but they don't seem to like want you to be in a specific spot in any kind of way in AEW. It's kind of just, they're still in the throw everything on the wall and see what sticks mode. Oh, yeah. Creatively, it seems like it's going to be the open air environment that Matt Hardy's been saying he wants. Mm -hmm. And there does seem to be enough creative control that if they notice something like the Nightmare Collective isn't working, then they'll pull the plug on it. Yeah. Um, who knows, though? That could have just been everyone involved in Nightmare Collective being like, you know what? I'm tired of uh, coming out to silence and booze every <laughs> week. <laughs> you know, I... I'm Brandy Rhodes. I was more over as a Cody Rhodes' valet and occasional wrestler. Because she's, she's an A-plus valet. Uh, probably an A-plus wife. I don't know. They seem happy. <laughs> uh, ben. But like, uh, that would be next week's segment, Mania. But, yeah. <laughs> Are these wrestler marriages healthy? <laughs> Let's speculate. Stone Cold Steve Austin. No. Oh, boy. Uh, Cody Rhodes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Naomi and the Usos. Because I'm not sure which one. <laughs> I think it's Jay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike Bennett and Maria Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Now we're just listening. <laughs> Analysis later. Teasing yeah. now. Yeah. Um, Again? But yeah, Matt Hardy uh, is more than likely going to pop up. Lance Archer got yeah. signed to AEW. Yeah. I feel like if Matt Hardy doesn't do it, it will be Lance Archer. Mm -hmm. It seems like likely just because, I don't know, maybe they just have, he's maybe probably their backup plan. Probably. In case, you know, they... I'm sure WWE could still lure Matt Hardy to NXT if they, like, really wanted to. If they wanted him to, like, be a coach down there or something like that. Yep. Man, but, you know, it's nice that AEW's not, like, uh, let's fucking get into AEW Revolution. Right. I was gonna say, it's, like, it's nice that they're not into this, like, uh, creative culture of, like, we're gonna swerve you, just to swerve you. And then it's like, oh, fuck, like, why did I get invested in that? Like, uh, I wonder if that Mike's gonna pick that up. I don't know. Keaton... There's nothing out there for you. You went downstairs, you saw the dog, the dog got loud, and you probably got scared. And then I got loud. <laughs> I didn't get loud. I understand. I got even. <laughs> <laughs> By killing Dennis. My eye. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, so we watched, We, despite our packed weekend schedule, we watched AEW. A revolution. Welcome to Segment Mania! I don't remember how the music goes. <laughs> <laughs> I composed it. <laughs> you sound like Louis Armstrong, which I feel like all of his classic songs that people don't talk enough about are the ones where he just starts scatting in the middle. It's like, this is what it's like to write music. He really scatted for some. <laughs> he scattered some. <laughs> but, he, but he definitely didn't talk about writing the song in the middle of the song. That's my innovation. Uh, <laughs> that's true. You are a trailblazer. I also like to point out, because we're, we're loading up um, Revolution just to be able to run it top to bottom. We're also streaming soccer. Because that's, that's a new part of the WrestleDown. Yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah, we can cover soccer someday. Let's um, not. <laughs> soccer, good. Uh, I like <laughs> soccer. <laughs> they kick the ball. They kick the ball in the net. Fair enough. And sometimes they kick the ball and it doesn't go in the net. And uh, that's when the podcast gets interesting. Welcome to the Soccer Down. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so for the buy-in, AEW Revolution started with the Dark Order. Defeating SCU, um, kind of makes sense. It's like people, you know, SCU has always been kind of at the start of the pay per views because they're they're a hot uh, in ring commodity. I don't think they have much going on character wise, mm. and our Dark Order are have a fair amount going on character wise. Uh, haven't really established themselves as too you know unique in the ring. Yeah, there there was a decent amount of heat on this feud just as the the question of is Christopher Daniels part of the Dark Order mm -hmm. or has that been mind games with the Dark Order is trying to drive a wedge between this pretty close group of three. Yep. So, um, perfect one for the buy-in to kind of get the crowd at least expecting wrestling, not like the formal opener for the pay-per-view, but... Yeah, it was like a fast-paced, you know, uh, everybody gets their shit in kind of match. Exactly. Um, they got 
it felt like the right amount of time. Um, it's a little bit strange seeing the first ever AEW Tag Team Champions um, wrestling first and shortly and losing this one, but yeah. um, AEW is pretty good at level setting in terms of like feuds and title pictures, so uh, I like this. Yeah, me too. I thought it was a good match. Not like super memorable or anything, mm. but uh, good enough for a pre-show, basically. For the equivalent. Uh, let's see, so the um, for the por- the bleh. the pay per view starts. Oh, uh, before we get that far, um, big debut. Oh yeah, Colt Cabana. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, he he's worked with AEW a little bit before as commentary, but mm-hmm. he wasn't formally signed. Uh, then it kind of set up um, Dark Order versus SCU with Colt Cabana, which kind of evens the numbers a little bit because yep. Dark Order has a X number of people in the group. Yeah, they got uh, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, the Beaver Boys, and then however many pet putties that they need. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, more of his merrier. Uh, I think SCU probably will benefit from being teamed up with Coban, at least uh, fucking temporarily. Yeah, it feels like if you're going to build up to the Exalted One and Dark Order getting stronger, it yeah. makes sense to have, you know, your first line of casualties kind of lined up to make them look good. Right, and they had uh, Christopher Daniels tease being the Exalted One and then diving into the ring to beat up everybody and then uh they all they all got uh, beaten up by dark order yep which is fine you want to build you want to build them up and uh that's what they did <laughs> yeah no they looked super strong they like yeah. well <clears throat> they laid out the three of them and then christopher janinos came in and even the odds so they they did get run off right but it makes them look more hungry for revenge and with the exalted one assumedly they'll uh, they'll get it sooner than later yeah definitely so let's see, the formal pay-per-view begun. Began. Begun! <laughs> begun. It has begun! It. Shang Tsung, Mortal Kombat. Yes. Uh, with Jake Hager versus Dustin Runnels. This match has been building for a while, just based on... Uh, it's kind of a leftover from when Cody was feuding with uh, the Inner Circle. Yep. And so it's been building for at least that long, and it's just one that's continued on with... Uh, Hager injuring, quote-unquote, Dusty Rhodes at one point, and then uh, Dustin, Dustin Rhodes, and then uh, Dustin wanting his revenge. Yeah. This is, it's, this has been like a sneaky build, because yeah. Dustin got his arm broken in a car door back in November, right. or October, actually, Yeah, the end of the month, and so fast forward to the end of February, and um, it's something that didn't really need a lot of attention every week. Dustin's had the opportunity to wrestle other people, there's been interstitial matches between like different combinations of the inner circle and AEW or the elite. Right. So <clears throat> good that they got their blow off. This was Jake Hager's debut in AEW, what'd you think? Uh I'm not a big Jake Hager fan. Yeah. Like I saw him in you know, when he was in WWE, he was fine, uh, but he never stood out to me as anything special. Mm. And I probably still have some bias because he is one of the bigger problems with Lucha Underground's fourth season. Yep. And that was a season with a lot of big problems. Yeah. He went undefeated that entire season, beat, just cleared the field of mm-hmm. all the Lucha people, including Pentagon Jr. and everybody who'd built up goodwill there. Um, and, I, and landed the season as the champion. Yep. Yep. So, boo to that. Yeah. But for this match... Um, what do you think? <clears throat> I think Hager is good enough in the ring. I think that psychology-wise, he's kind of... I don't want to say a lost cause, but he's just he doesn't have the same instincts as a lot of polished guys. Yeah. So he just kind of does moves to do them, but he does them well. Right. Uh, he's definitely helped when there's a bigger personality around him. So either Jericho or Dustin definitely makes him seem more important. Right. I like that his wife was there and they did the makeout bit before the match to mm-hmm. add some heat because that's kind of a dickish thing to do in any walk of life. Of just yeah. like here's my significant other, snog, snog, snog. Yeah. Um. Wasn't in love with uh, Dustin sneaking a kiss on her. No, it yeah. just feels like an out of date wrestling trope that they should probably let go. Yeah, I mean they removed that from the Ric Flair or from the Becky Lynch Charlotte match where Ric Flair did that to Becky. Yeah, like it's it's so frowned upon that WWE was like, okay, we got to strike this one from history. The blood money billionaires. Yep. Um, but yeah, J- uh, Jake Hager wins this one in a match that uh, made sense for him to win it because mm-hmm. it was his debut. But we were both questioning at the time. It was like, this is an interesting pick for an opener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not the hottest uh, thing to watch. And Dustin's, you know, he's really good. He's really good, especially for his age. Yep. But he's not going to 
carry Jake to a match that's gonna elevate him that much. No. Jake's at his best, I think, as like the silent guy behind Jericho who sometimes does like an ankle lock or a suplex or something like that. Yep. Keep him as a silent meme where he just kind of, you know, looks imposing behind people, doesn't say a word. Yeah. He's also not able to work often because of his MMA uh, schedule. Yep. So, why is he here? Eh, to be imposing because he's a recognizable guy. Yeah. AEW is new enough that it helps a little bit to have some people that are at least recognizable yeah. while they're building people like... Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's just like around because Jericho's friends with him. Hmm. Like that's uh, that that's been the running through line like on and off camera, which is fine. Give Jericho whatever he wants, weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I just it's so weird watching like if you look at the list of people that Jericho has on his podcast, it's like yeah, of course he'd be friends with Jake Hager. He seems like he's just just a random. Picking at the shit out in the air and then putting them in his life. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it was not an inspiring opener, and I do not need more Jake Hager, but I know I'm getting more. <laughs> oh, you're getting plenty more. Yeah. He's a savage, baby. Yes, but then I think things kicked into high gear immediately. Yeah. Uh, with Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. Yeah, the Spanish God. I cannot talk today. That's fine. He's got the stigmata from the Spanish God. Yeah. Right, I was trying to look for match times, but I couldn't find them. I just happened to find CBS's uh, uh, website. Couldn't they don't list the times? But this was a pretty short match. But every second was like something action packed happening. Yeah, um, this is built off of Sammy injuring Darby's throat during mm-hmm. a, a beatdown that came totally unprovoked, which is kind of the best heel kind of beatdown. Yeah, Inner Circle had beaten a team that Darby Allen was on, and not only beat him up and used a skateboard to fuck his throat up. So Darby comes down with the skateboard. Skateboard got worked into the offense pretty early. Um, as soon as like the people got announced, not even the bell got rung for the match officially, but Darby Allen's name got said, launches himself out of the ring straight at Sammy Guevara, and we were off. Yeah, it's definitely like just, yeah, Darby diving out there. They used tables on each other. There was a 6.30 from the top rope to the outside on a table from yeah. Sammy that looked like it hurt like hell. Yep. It was just, it was the good kind of spot vest. Just everybody, just two small dudes throwing each other's bodies at each other. No, no, uh, no care for their own health. Uh, both good. And he, you expect that from Darby. Yep. For sure. That's like his thing. He'll, he'll do his coffin drop onto whatever. And probably to have a spine that looks like a letter Z by the end of his career. Maybe a slinky. Yeah. But uh, you don't see that from Sammy all that much. No. And the, he really brought it out. This was probably... Uh, God, I would love it if this match was something they redid every six months or something. Yeah. Not even on like a pay-per-view. Like if just randomly on a dynamite every six months you got to see like some growth from them. When you have athletic, capable people like these two, you can kind of build gimmick matches around them. Like, yeah. if they ever brought it back or something similar, this would be fun to watch as, like, a Crocker Barrel Clash. Oh, yeah. With I just know. some kind of props, because they've already proven, like, with that table spot that they would do really well with uh, little things to add on to a match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was, like... I mean, uh, it was a short-ish segment, mm. but also, like, a very short match because a lot of the attacks were happening on the outside before the match even started. And then once it started, uh, you know, Darby won with the coffin drop, basically. Yeah, it was an eight-minute shot of adrenaline. It was exactly what it needed to be and felt like after it was done, it was like that should have been the opener. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Darby Allen looks really good in in victory. Wanted to hurt Sammy's uh, throaty in revenge after the match, and Jake Hager came out and saved Sammy. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those matches in real time that... I thought I would love to see the rematch. I would love to see this again. And I can't say that about a lot of matches right after I finish watching them. Yeah, same. Um, speaking of, uh, I think we have the first AEW match that I think would be a match of the year candidate for yep. 2020, at least. This was incredible, and it was... Uh, go ahead and detail it for us, please. Yeah, it was at uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Uh, this had been building... Both as um, a schism between members of the elite, the group that founded AEW, but also Adam Hangman Page being kind of a dick to Kenny Omega, or at least being apprehensive about Kenny Omega. It's 
it's, it's I the beholder who is being a dick here, but Paige seems like he's deep into some drinking. Yep. And can every now and then it seems like he's getting overshadowed by Kenny and getting uh, agitated by it. Yeah, I think that that that's beautifully encapsulates yeah. all of it. I don't have a lot of faith in professional wrestling companies to handle modern issues or contemporary issues with a lot of nuance mm-hmm. and a lot of care. And I yeah. feel like this is the closest I've ever seen to like an alcoholic wrestler character <laughs> yes. that's actually handled very carefully. Yes, he's a high-functioning alcoholic. Yeah. But he, uh, it's going to go bad eventually. Right. Like it, it's, it's such a slow build. Mm. Um, we'll see when, when that explodes. But right now, they won the titles... Uh, Paige and Omega are still the champions. The Young Bucks still are going around saying they're the best tag team in the world, but can't even win the title in their own company. I th- it, it's like two. It's like two compelling stories, and then a third one in between them. Exactly. I feel like it's a masterstroke for the Bucks, and I feel like it'll feel more masterful over time that they're going to turn heel. What feels like organically because they get so frustrated that they can't win the big important matches. Yeah. Um, I think they're heels in this one. They, they had every right to be, yeah. um, because they cut that promo right before Revolution about how Hangman Page was a jobber in Ring of Honor before they elevated him, yep. and how they are the best team, and they were just going to take the titles, and it wasn't even a question of who was going to win. Yep. Kenny Omega was trying to play kind of peacekeeper, but also, like you were saying, kind of dickish and not really sticking up for Page or himself. Yeah, he's like caught in the middle, but also he's being you know very demure about it. Yeah. Um... And not really sticking a firm flag. Like, that's where I feel like the Hangman character really is strong. Of just, like, he might be an asshole and off-putting to other people, but he wants himself to be successful and he's not yeah. afraid to, like, cut ties or not rely on other people's star power to do it. And he just wants to part... I don't need, I don't even think his character wants to like Omega. He's just kind of stuck with him. Yeah, they, you know, like, got paired up in a tag match because they're both elite members and they won a battle royale. And yep. now they're... Tag team champions. Exactly. Um, and, like, the Bucks did a great job of uh, being heels. Nick Jackson is... His hot tags are amazing. Yeah. Uh, so all of his sequences of offense were great. Mac Jackson's definitely the better storyteller. Right. Him ripping uh, the Coliseo tape off of Omega's hurt shoulder and stomping it and then staring at the tape after. Yeah. It And uh, Nick coming in and being like, hey, calm down. Right. Like, we're still friends here. I want to kill him. Exactly. Um, which is a good reminder. Please don't kill my eye. So I'll try not to. Thank you. Oh boy, <laughs> smoky voice means violence. <laughs> I've I've been drinking a lot of seltzer. Oh no, <laughs> and I get crazy with my seltzer. That's his bubble punch punch juice. <laughs> but speaking of bubble punch punch juice, uh, Omega or not Omega? Uh, is, right after the victory, Hangman oh, finds yeah. a beer. Yes. Yeah. He's. <laughs> That's his thing right now. He goes in the audience and gets a beer. Mm. Um, but also, after the match, he teased uh, doing his finisher, the... Uh, Buckshot Lariat. Buckshot Lariat on Omega. Just holding the ropes just barely enough that you're like, oh, maybe he's going to do it. And then he doesn't do it. And everyone can breathe a sigh of relief for another day. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in addition to all this, I like how the Bucks work as a heel team. Mm. Because, like, I lukewarm on them in general I think like as faces a lot of their like more showy offense is like what the fuck are you guys doing you're, are you trying to win a match or are you trying to have a gymnastics tournament in the middle of the match yep but as heels it comes off as like fuck you we're the best and we're so good we're gonna fucking do fli- do flips all over the place and it works out to make them so unlikable uh, to at least a portion of the audience right and it helps with the storytelling yeah, um, I think they're, I agree, I think they're strongest as heels. Um, I think that Mac Jackson calling for the indie taker on the ramp was mm-hmm. a dick thing, and then yeah. roping his brother into doing it um, even more so. Like, he definitely seems like he's the more, he's the stronger corrupting influence of the two of them. Right. Which helps separate them, because they, they more or less look like twins the books. Yeah, but, I was surprised when I found that one was older than the other. Yeah. Um... But yeah, excellent match. It went 30 minutes. Well, when we were watching it live, I was I yelled that out loud. I was like, this is the third match. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was uh, and a, a lot of star-making performance from Paige. Yeah. Because he got like a lot of offense in. He got to look great. He got to do a ton of character work. It's like, 
I mean, it's been clear the whole time AEW's existed that he's, like, their pet project to be the face of the company. Yep. Um, since he got the first title shot against Jericho. But uh, this is, like, the first time it's been like, oh, shit, this guy's the main adventure in the making, and he's going to be huge. Yep. He He's absolutely elevated by everybody around him. I think one of the big moments that you really saw that was um, the story they told with Omega's shoulder being hurt. So that... Omega couldn't do a one-winged angel, yeah. couldn't uh, hook the leg to what uh, to execute it on, I, th- I think it was Nick Jackson, and Paige just shoved him out of the way, was like, fuck it, I'll do it. Yep. Paige hits a one-winged angel and almost won the match for them, and just looked every bit the star that they want him to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, fantastic stuff. Uh, my favorite match of the year so far, it's a young year, but they it's definitely my favorite match of, November, of February, yep. and that included an NXT takeover. So that's pretty high praise. Yeah, good job. Um, let's see. The next match. Uh, I feel bad because this this happens in NXT as well. Yep. Uh, the the women's championship match happened next, which is Nyla Rose versus Chris Lander, and there was just no way they could follow up. Yeah. Um, that tag match. I mean, pick any of the matches that would have come later, and none none of them were gonna follow off of that momentum in a great way. Right. Um, also, Statlander had the flu going into yeah, so she's she's even off like, yeah in a lot of ways. So so it's I mean too bad. yeah, but this match built off of uh, Statlander wandering out um, from the entrance ramp after a Nyla promo and booping the title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, she was the top ranked at the uh, ranking system. She got the title shot. That's the whole story. It's too bad. I wish the women's division had more stories to it. Yeah, but then they tried a story and it was not good. So, right. <laughs> it was a nightmare, if you will. Hey, I will. Yeah. Um, but this was a, this was an okay match. Yep. Like, not, like, memorable. Uh, CBS gave it a D. That's fine. Uh, I think it was better than that, but um, I did appreciate that it was a women's match where they were both being treated like hosses. Yep. Uh, I don't... In my head, I don't see Statlander as being particularly bigger than any other woman, but they... Like, this center on her strength uh, in comparison to Nyla Rose's I mean, physical it, stature as well. Yeah, in the context of AEW, they both they both seem like the strongest. I'm, I'm hard pressed. Aside from Awesome big, Kong, if she comes back. Yeah, Big Swole. I feel like Big Swole is like a scrappy striker. I guess, but she has the name Big Swole. Yeah, <laughs> that, I feel like that's a whole separate tangent. I, got yeah. a whole, I, yeah. have, a, I have a lot of thoughts about Big Swole. But... Um, for the two of them, for Statlander and Nyla Rose, mm. uh, Nyla Rose's entrance gear looked pretty sick. Yeah. Which, if this is your fr- first defense as a champion, um, I'd like something to be memorable, and I feel like her Destro-themed uh, entrance attire from the Batman franchise right. looked pretty sick. Yeah, I think she's she's really coming into her own as a champion yep. uh, as well. It's like it's interesting that these characters that, like, at the start of EW, was like, why do I have to care about this person or whatever, are, like, kind of coming to their own and growing into the roles that they were made to play. Yep. Which is very nice. Uh, there's, I don't think there's much to really say about this one, in my opinion. It was an okay match. Yeah. I, I want better for Statlander. Right. They, they'll, they're they both capable of producing better matches. They will in the future. Um, they're both kind of green. Yeah. Statlander's been around for three years. I don't know how long Nyla has, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, onward, upward. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm sure that, like Statlander will circle back and become champion eventually. Um, just this was not her night, and it's it kind of feels too bad because it was the first defense for Nyla Rose, and she just won the title on a Dynamite episode like two or three weeks ago. So it was like, oh, there's no way they had a lot going against them. There was no way the match was ending with Statlander winning. Yep. They were right after a, a white hot tag match. Yep. Statlander had the flu like two days ago, and probably still did as of the match. So yeah, uh, they did what they could. Not great. Not, you know, too bad. Um, but then we got MJF versus Cody in a blood feud that has stretched on forever. And we, we praised uh, how well they did with it on the Ten Lashes episode. Um, what did you think of this match? I loved it. Um, I feel like there were there were moments where there were a lot of kind of distracting things with the seconds and the valets and things, but... Right. In terms of raw physicality, it delivered exactly what it needed to with MJF bleeding, Cody being uh, very, very powerful in his striking and very deliberate. 
Um, wrestled the match with a broken big toe. Yes. Which uh, happened after his big boon solved off the cage uh, against Wardlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got to work that in. It's uh, the very gross sight of MJF uh, biting the toe of Cody yeah. with no yeah. boot on. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, Jesus. You be a blood and guts as you want, but come on, man. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, it looked... Gross, yeah. it looked uncomfortable, it looked painful, it was all of those things. Yes, and it was it worked in the context of the match. These this is a feud that's stretched on for uh was it meant two pay per views? No, one pay per view, right? Um, did Cody fight Jericho at the last one? Cody did. Okay. At the so, last pay per view. So that's when this really started. Yep. Uh and they've just been not able to touch each other. Uh, well Cody <laughs> <laughs> Cody hasn't been able to attack MJF. MJF is taking his time out to lash Cody and send him in a cage with Wardlow and all this other shit mm. to, like, build it up. So it was a really good match. And, like, I... I it kind of let me down because the feud was so good. Yeah. It was one of those things. I, I think you're right. It was a lot of the distracting uh, seconds and everything. Yeah. Um, that really took away from it. It had a lot to live up to, and they, they tried to do even more. Um, yeah. Like, Brandy has been an inconsistent part of this feud, so she actually got involved more than I was thinking she would. Um, Arn Anderson at one point got knocked out, which, yeah. again, cool. But there were just, there were two central figures, which was Cody and MJF. Um, the beginning part of this match was excellent, where MJF was ducking out of the ring a bunch, and they were fighting into the crowd a little bit. And when Cody would land, like, a big, um, like, series of moves or, like, a powerful strike, you felt it because it was building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a lot of, like, the middle portions and towards the stretch were getting distracted by, like, Wardlow interference or Brandy running, jumping around. Yeah. Um, still really liked it. Um, very distracted by Cody's new neck tattoo. Yeah, it is an awful tattoo. It's it was, not good. I think people have been talking about the tattoo more than they've been about the match. Yep. Which is not a reflection of the match. No. But a reflection of how bad that tattoo is. Yeah. Um, the it's, mat- like, it's a giant, uh, it says Nightmare logo put on his neck. Almost reaching his chin, basically. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. And I, as I was watching it, I was wondering if it was like a henna tattoo or just something he did for the match, and unfortunately not. No, it is real. It's it's super unfortunate. Like, uh, if like, first off, he doesn't come off as a tattoo guy. Nope. Like, if it was like, he's got one tattoo on his chest that's just, uh, what is it, is it dusty on his chest? It's his dream. Dream, okay, there was, I, and it was, it was a, uh. A tribute to his father. Yep. Uh, it's just dream in a sort of cursive writing hmm. on his left pec. Uh, fine. And then he goes from that to a giant thing on his neck that, from like a distance, if you didn't know him, if you just saw him in like a t-shirt, you know, at the on the other side of the, uh, the island airport, yep. you'd be like, oh, that guy's a weird Texas-shaped birthmark on his neck. Like, it just, <laughs> it just takes up his whole neck. That is real unfortunate. And then you look closer and like, oh no, the Texas shape birthmark would have been an upgrade. It's so much worse. Yeah. Like, if he had had, like, the dream tattoo on his chest and then, like, some other work on his body working up to that. Yeah. It would have, it would look pretty good. Uh, but as it is, it's like, ugh. Yeah. It's a, a bad choice. Yep. Um, but the match, it's, the, the match itself, still fine. Yeah. Um, it seems like the middle part of the story. Yeah. With MJF winning. Yep, MJF coming out uh, victorious after taking a couple crossroads and then managing to get the uh, dynamite diamond ring on his finger and punch Cody out. Yep, yeah, great, uh, great A-plus of heel work as always. I think um, it's smart to give him the win because he's obviously their next... Uh, oh, you know what, I just realized, like, he... So, like, early in the match, they said that his record in AEW right now is, like, 6-1. Yep. Which probably puts him in line to be uh, Moxley's first challenger. I think that's where they're headed, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's a, that's a really good feud to yep. have. Um, I don't know if Moxley would lose it immediately, but like if he won it, if MJF won it, it would be a really great storyline that Cody says he's not going to challenge for the title ever again, but this fucking guy he hates yep. um, is after it, so or has it. It, it's an interesting question mark. Yeah, uh, I like I like how it's panned out like that long term. Yep. I just realized that. Yeah, I think MJF is undefeated in singles competition. Yeah. Um, so there's only two undefeated guys really who are left um, of name, and that's John Moxley and uh, and MJF. Right. Yeah. So I think that's where they're gonna go, probably for double or nothing too. 
quadruple or double? <laughs> <laughs> uh, question mark. <laughs> um, <laughs> As named by Trent. Yeah. I think, like, this match, like, I think partially also because I was exhausted from the weekend and also from the tag match earlier. Mm. Like, I, I like this match, but when it ended, I was like, ah, that was kind of disappointing. And then they showed replays of all the spots that happened. I was like, oh, shit, there was a ton of memorable stuff in that match. And I just forgot about it because I, I, maybe I was tired. I don't know. That, and it just, it, it like we were saying, it, it wasn't like a cohesive story. Right. It, it yeah. referenced things that were happening between the two of them, like Cody um, taking his belt off and getting permission from the ref to whip uh, MJF yeah, once. right. But it, not all of it uh, synced with everything else. Yeah, that's true. It was cohesive. That's a good, uh, good way to describe it. Uh, good stuff, though. I'm glad to see MJF win. So, let's see. <laughs> the next match. Oh, boy. This is a late um, addition, but it's been some... It's another thing like the uh, Hager uh, Rhodes match that kind of was a slow build. Like, Orange Cassidy would, like, just kind of come out and bug pack, you know, after tag matches. If, like, Pac's in a tag match against Jungle Express for one reason or another, you know, just every couple of weeks and now it blows over into a fucking uh, match between Pac and Orange Cassidy. It's Orange Cassidy's AEW debut. Yeah. In singles. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I would, if, if the tag match hadn't happened, I'd argue that this was the best, but actually I'd put Darby and Sammy over this too, but yeah, um, this was really good. This was the absolute best portrayal of who Orange, the purpose of Orange Cassidy's character. Yeah. He's very, he's very slothful. He doesn't seem to take much serious until he chooses to, and then he's an amazing wrestler. Yeah, he's uh, he's very lackadaisical, mm -hmm. and then you fucking put the switch, and suddenly he's like Nick Jackson, basically. Yeah, and it's uh, great, great stuff. And Pac's always just furious. His uh, his default emotion is just furious intensity. So these two together, like, you know, play off each other perfectly. Mm. Um, so we had the match playing out with uh, Pat kind of playing along with Orange Cassidy's like bullshit. Uh, you know, Orange Cassidy going to put his hands in his pockets, but Pat grabbing his wrists so that he can't do it. Yep. And taking some very light kicks to the shins and doing a couple of his own, and then just getting violent until Cassidy uh, turns it around, and turns it on, and nearly has the match won. He. He's so deceptively fast because he only moves in slow motion. Yeah. That when he actually gets going with his arm drags, with his hands in his pockets, and his dives and his DDTs, Orange Cassidy is the fine shit. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, it, Dennis is actually wearing the shirt from the GCW. Orange Cassidy's doing something or whatever. Who knows? Matt, uh, show that we covered in one of our early episodes. Yeah. Uh, goddamn. And bless AEW for his his uh, announcer spiel. Orange Cassidy, he's. From wherever. Yeah. He weighs whatever. <laughs> yeah. They were so true to the little things that are so important to make mm -hmm. him uh, whole that yeah. it just uh, came together so well. Yeah, that's some star, uh, again, star making shit. I love it. Um, they made three stars tonight. They made Sammy Guevara, who just like at that point, in AEW at least, hasn't had like a breakout singles match. Yeah, he's mostly been like a funny guy who has cue cards during the picture pictures. Yeah, but can absolutely go. Mm -hmm. Hangman looked like he's the Randy Orton of AEW. He's going to be a future star and like in the main event scene kind of permanently if they play the cards right. Yep. And Orange Cassidy is a guy who you can just kind of, he's like those uh, can of peanuts that if you pull them open there's actually snakes <laughs> whenever you want you can just pull the lid off yeah exactly uh god this was a great debut and a great way to ever since they signed orange cassie i've kind of been like wondering like how does he fit into this like sport centric uh or this like we're we're broadcasting a sport kind of aesthetic that AEW aims for hmm. and they found the right balance i think like partially because they built it up so slowly like you got you still like oh he's just He's just a cool guy in the Canadian tux, just putting his hands in his pockets and uh, doing a suicide dive that way, or you know, doing arm drags without his arms. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. He's it's amazing creative stuff, and uh, the kind of people that get mad at Orange Cassidy, uh, getting mad at it, makes it all the sweeter. Exactly. And the way that the match ended, I mean, I, I don't think it was ever in doubt that Pac was going to win, no. but whenever there was a, a really close near fall for Orange Cassidy, they, it felt believable. Yeah. 
to the point where it almost felt like there needed to be interference to set up the finish, mm -hmm. which brought out the Lucha Brothers, who beat the crap out of the best friends. Right. And that distracted uh, Cassidy enough to uh, get Rebecca to get the submission in. Yeah. Which, you know, too bad, but Cassidy will be the most over guy in AEW still, no matter how much he loses. Yep. He feels like one of those guys, almost like a Santino Morella or a Mikey Whipwreck, where he doesn't need to win pretty much ever, but yeah. when he does win, it's going to feel like a huge deal. Yeah. If they have ever have, like, I don't know, he could win, like, a tag title or something, but, like, if, I feel like this is going to at least pay off on a Dynamite with, like, a six-man tag, hmm. and that's going to be an amazing six-man tag. Maybe that's where he gets his win back. Maybe. Um, or maybe gets a win off of phoenix or whoever mm. uh because the lucha brothers have no wins in 2020 so far mm -hmm. which is too bad but yeah um the positive orange cassidy fucking done right perfect great stuff and then we have the main event fucking the AEW championship between john moxley and chris jericho with a choir singing <laughs> judas oh my God. to bring out chris jericho like Cody, for his entrance, had, like, the band that does his theme song, uh... Downstate. Yes, Downstate. I almost said Dire Straits, but yes, Downstate. Dire Straits would have been so much better. <laughs> Can you imagine him coming out the Sultans of Swing? <laughs> I would, it would have been better. Like, I don't know. Um, you know, the funny thing, I was on that panel, um, with, uh, at PAX, I watched it was wrestling and music and whatever. Yep. Um, one of the panelists was Megaran. Nice. Uh, yeah, and he... Uh, at the end, we took some, they or they took some questions uh, from the audience, and someone asked like what it was like being uh, in uh, or performing at Madison Square Garden, and then having Bully Ray interrupt you. And he, he told a pretty funny story, but he made the good point that uh, live music and wrestling audiences just never go well together. Very rarely. Like, very rarely. Poppy is basically it. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know if that comes off that well in. Uh, arena. Yeah, I, you have to bank on the fact that whatever band is playing, everyone in the building likes them, mm -hmm. and if not, they will let you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Machine Gun Kelly, no. Yeah, Machine Gun Kelly, no. Kid Rock, not really. Flo Rider, nah. Yeah. Saliva, nah. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, very bland, like, downstreet, <laughs> very bland, like, whatever bands doing the theme song that they probably did better in the studio. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I'm sympathetic because setting up all the acoustics and all that shit for a band is really tough in any circumstance than having to do it in the 30 seconds between matches and then having that play while someone's timing their entrance shit to it and I don't know they came off badly yeah and then I was, as that was happening I was like it'd be really funny if Jericho did Judas on <laughs> coming out to for this next match and then instead, they had a fucking choir yeah. singing the most butt rock songs of butt rock songs. <laughs> I mean, depending on the rest of the aesthetic, it's just so perfect. Yeah. Um, Bobby Roode, back in his NXT days, came out to Glorious from a choir. Mm -hmm. But Jericho, he just... He shines when there's so much pomp and circumstance around him. Yeah, because he, he's... Aesthetically, he's a trash human being. Yeah. But he's just like... He's, he's, he's a leftover from like the hair metal era. So him doing um, a choir thing is just so hilariously over the top and incongruous that, uh, beautiful. Singing the song, Judas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like choir going, here we go, here we go, here we go, yeah. <laughs> just, before the match even started, just adding so much grandeur to it. Yeah. Um, and perfect, because this was his last uh, defense as the AEW champion. Yep. Perfect timing, and it kind of set up a completely. Uh, it was one of those things where the entrances set up the characters very well because he's very, you know, very pomp and circumstance, big everything, and Moxley just coming out from the, uh, just coming out and kicking some ass. Yep, coming out with one eye. Yeah, you think <laughs> to fight? Yes. Uh, this was. I thought this was a very good match, except for that very confusing detail. What a stupid reveal! Yes, yeah. I do. I very much do. So. There are a lot of things that very clever face wrestlers do mm -hmm. to get one over on a heel who's taken shortcuts and who's cheated and who's gotten one over on them I don't know how many times. And that absolutely has happened in this feud with Jericho and Moxley. Yeah. To the point where Jericho blinded him in one of his eyes and he's been wrestling with an eye patch. And this is where the line as a wrestler where you have to 
suspend your disbelief gets real fucking murky. Yeah. Because if you only have one vision and one eye, yep. you have no depth perception. Yeah. You're at a disadvantage. Right. The selling point <laughs> to the last fucking minute of this match was that John Moxley could see out of both eyes. Yeah. He wrestled the whole match with a fucking eye patch on that he didn't need to wear, <laughs> took it off to this huge show of emotion, and the crowd popped for it and everything. And I, and I feel like I was the one person <laughs> in a crowd of a million, and I said this out loud, yeah. what a fucking idiot. Yeah, I think what, <laughs> I think what happened was... Um, like, I think the announcer's like, he was playing possum. He had two eyes the whole time. And then Death just says, oh, he was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so dumb. Yeah. Like, imagine running a race with one leg and yeah. you have two. Like, yeah. just this purposeful handicap that made him seem like he could have lost. Yeah. And that would have been his fault. Yeah, if he lost in minute five of this match, he A, would have deserved it. Uh, B... Like, no shit, he went into a match with one eye. Yeah. Like, if he got hit with the Judas effect or anything from his blind side that he chose to keep blind, he would have been 100% to blame himself yeah. for fucking doing it. So I just... there, Yeah, there's things in wrestling where I'm just like, that That was actually very clever. This felt like it was so clever that it was stupid. Yes. Um, yeah, this was... <laughs> um, like, the idea is that... Jericho underestimated him because he thought that he blinded John Moxley. Uh, meanwhile, apparently, John Moxley's fucking Superman, and if he had had two eyes, uh, this match probably would have been a minute long mm. because he beat Jericho more or less with one eye. Yep. Also, the interference from most of, if not all, of the inner circle uh, helping Jericho out, he overcame all of that with one eye. Uh... <laughs> There was cheating all around, but it didn't matter, because you know what? He had two eyes the whole time. <laughs> oh my god, like, that that being his super armor, or his power-up, or whatever the hell you want to call it, because yeah, Sammy Guevara at one point hit him with the title belt behind mm -hmm. the referee's back, Proud and Powerful interfered, mm -hmm. I think Jake Hager came out yep. at one point, Every, yeah. literally everybody from the inner circle yeah. tried to help Jericho at one point, and, oh my, the, like, it's moments like these that I really appreciate very conscientious announcing because Excalibur mm -hmm. does an excellent job of corralling the logic of what you're seeing, at Jeez. least to what they want you to think. Yeah. Because um, when he t when Moxley takes the eye patch off, he goes, oh, and Jericho was so stunned that he walked right into the paradigm shift. I'm like, you know what? Thank you for mapping some logic to this, but no, he's fucking stupid. Yeah. It kind of it deflated what was otherwise a good match and a great feud. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm happy to see Moxley as champion at least. Yeah, the the thought I had um, in watching him win and listening to his rambling fucking post match <laughs> yeah, promo we can talk about that too. Yeah. Um, was that it's amazing how much betting on themselves that a the the people behind AEW have really profited in such a short time. Mm -hmm. The company's not even a year old. Dynamite has only been around for six months, but Moxley this time last year was super frustrated with his spot in WWE. Was trying to navigate his exit from the company deftly, he did. He had his uh, podcast interview with Jericho where he vented all of his frustration. Yep. He made his surprise uh, debut for AEW. He popped up in New Japan. He said he was going to compete in the G1. He did. Yep. He was a front runner there. He became the number one contender for the title. He helped carry an incredible program to the title. He feuded with uh, Jericho they hit so many things that have to hit yeah. for him to earn a first title win right. that it just feels incredible that this John Moxley is the EW world champion. Compare him to Dean Ambrose a year ago, who's right. putting on gas masks because right. fans were smelly. Even compare the version of Dean Ambrose that was the WWE champion. Yeah. Like, it's it's night and day. Yeah. This is a guy I buy as a champion. Uh, you know, fake eye patch or not. Right. <laughs> I mean, I that's going to disappear. Yeah. Was I the whole time that he had the eye patch on, especially because he was like keeping it, you know, uh, keeping kayfabe like wearing the eye patch in Japan in completely unrelated circumstances. 
uh, I was like, it's going to be real fucking funny when he just shows up on Dynamite the next week with, like, no eye patch. Yep. And then he... And they wrote in a reason for him not to have the eye patch anymore. They re- If he had just won the title and overcame the odds, and then, like, was like, I... Use the championship, the the winner's purse to get eye surgery or some shit. Or just rub the title on his <laughs> eye until he felt better. Yeah, that's what gold does. That's <laughs> why it's so valuable. <laughs> God, I I love that you bring up that he wore the eye, eye patch outside of AEW. Yeah. You know what else that means? Yeah. Minoru Suzuki's gonna fucking kill him. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he beat the king with, I would assume, his two good eyes, <laughs> but he fought him with one. Yeah. He's he's a dead man. <laughs> like either Minoru or Zack Saber Jr. are gonna stretch him to ki- to yeah. death. Oh god, he's gonna need both eyes. <laughs> Maybe he'll pretend to have a broken arm for Zack Saber Jr. But no one will believe him now. He's a he's a confirmed that's, liar. That's true. Oh god. So yeah, a good baby. Oh yeah, with some So AEW <laughs> they did the new the new Japan thing where they didn't have, really have any promos between matches. Fair enough. Dynamite is where all the storyline building happens. Yeah. And then they let the champion, the winner of the main event, uh, do a promo, and it was a lot of nothing. Yeah, Moxley just kind of talked in a loop to the point where it didn't even seem like AEW was sure when he was finished. (laughs) So they they played him off. (laughs) They played his music, and he was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Literally just said, what the fuck, into the mic. They stopped playing it, and then he just kind of said the same thing he had said before, and then he chose to leave. He ended his promo being like, I'm going to go, it seems like it's beer o'clock, which is a lame way to go out. Yeah. And then the music played, and he was like, what the fuck? And then he he said, like, maybe two other, he's like, I'm happy to be champion, and uh, it's whiskey o'clock or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he switched to whiskey that because that was the money line. Yeah, but yeah, it, an incredible show. I mean, mm-hmm. they've only had two paper two like pay per views in the Dynamite era. Yes, but yeah. this is arguably their best show. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple like lower spots, but arguably three stars in the making. Yeah, they're, they're like young and up and coming. Um, Moxley makes total sense as your world champion right now assumedly going to be either opposite MJF or just, like, fight off the inner circle a little bit to transition to MJF. Yeah. I think if they... I hope MJF wins it. Not in, like, the first defense, but maybe Moxley fights some lesser on Dynamite or something like that Mm. sometime just to pump up his uh, defense numbers. But, like, I would want MJF to be the first guy who's never been in WWE to win the AEW Championship. Yeah. You could almost build it to, like, a Kurt Angle type of um, ascent where he's perfectly talented in the ring, mm-hmm. but he's kind of insufferable. Yeah. And he'll, it'll almost seem like a fluke the first time that he wins it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see how this turns out, but I think they've really hit their stride. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because they haven't, I don't think they've come close to hitting their ceiling yet. No. I mean, it, it's remarkable that um, they're, they're not even a year old as a company. And they've already gotten more seasons on TNT for Dynamite. They have... They're expanding two shows a week somehow. And wait, they haven't announced more details on that, but that's happening. Yeah. Um, they Luke Harper's going to pop up at some point. Mm-hmm. They signed Lance Archer. Mm-hmm. Matt Hardy's assumedly incoming. Yeah. Not to mention all of like the young up-and-coming people who are on the indies right now who could kind of bust in at any time in the next year. Yep. Um, are there any people like on the indie scene right now who you think like over the course of the next year would really like make a huge impact for AEW or would like benefit from a larger platform? I was just thinking about this, but if they, I bet Maki Ito would like really like be a big star in their women's division. Yeah. Um, they're kind of lacking in someone who's a strong character Mm -hmm. and she's kind of like all character and a little bit of a weak wrestler. So, like, I think she would, and her gimmick would really go well mm. uh, over there. It's like a weird, such a weird fucking thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish Session Moth Martino was available, but <sighs> she's in ROH. Bah. Uh, I've heard that they're doing better now that Marty Scurll's a booker. I have no idea. I haven't watched any yet so far. Mm. Um, yeah, I wish, uh, I wish some of the stardom women were available, but now they're probably locked up with, uh, Bushi Road buying them, so... Because I think Jamie Hader is another person who would be amazing. So yep. It's the number of indie people who could make a big splash is kind of shrinking. It in is. In some ways. And, but I, at least as a fan, really appreciate that. Because it does yeah. feel like it's going to be a bigger deal when people do 
crossover exactly. or debut. Yeah. Like, Brian Cage is supposed to be there yeah. already. Right. And they're pretty deliberate with when people debut and what first programs that they have, so I'm excited whenever somebody new pops up that there'll be some purpose behind it. Yeah. I mean, they just... I, I've heard that Jeff Cobb's not actually signed, hmm. but he was on a couple episodes of Dynamite, you know, just as a thing for Moxley to fight, and yep. it was very exciting. So, you know, that kind of thing can happen, too. Yeah. I, what I would like to see, I, I don't think it'll happen specifically in this way or through this person because of Evolve's relationship with NXT and, and WWE, but somebody like Josh Briggs. Oh, yeah, he would be really good. Yeah. yeah. Or even Anthony Green, if you wanted to bring in people who were more, like, character-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I forgot about them, but yeah, um, Briggs would be perfect for um, AW. Yeah. Kind of feels, he'd be a pretty good guy to fill the role that they have for Jake Hager already, but... I agree. Yeah. Um, it's and it's funny because like his look and his um, his style, he almost feels like a hybrid of Luchasaurus and Chris Brooks. Yeah. Um, but he could absolutely hold his own. Right. He's he's really good in the ring. I'm curious if Chris Statlander will be like a gateway for Beyond people or just like some more established names on the Indies. I mean, to, John like, Silver's already in there too. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that I think they have their their fingers on the pulse of the Indies, and they're just taking whoever. And if you know, maybe they need somebody for one week and then they you know that's how i mean that was john silver and uh alex reynolds alex reynolds deal for a few weeks and then they got signed formally yep so yeah there's they're smart about who they're signing so Mm. we'll see we'll see what happens tomorrow night uh if matt already shows up wonderful yes and that has been the wrestled out has been wonderful (laughs) 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 i'm jeff (laughs) lobble Is Twitter.com swing dangling. Dennis Bruno at dbruno42 at Sensei Dinnaby on Twitter. And Keaton, do you want to say yours? No? I'll do it for you. You're the boss. You're the mascot. Uh, Keaton is Keaton Fuzzy on Instagram. Uh, next week, we're going to cover uh, WWE's Elimination Chamber. We'll see how long that takes. I don't know. And also, we'll try to fo- do uh, Stardom's No Audience uh, show, which has been a thing that's been happening thanks to the coronavirus for several uh, other promotions. I know uh, TJPW actually just uploaded the first two rounds of a tournament that they're doing with no audience. Wow. Yeah. So we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, hopefully we all stay healthy and thanks for listening up to the Wrestle Down. Wash them hands.